Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by our special guest speaker. Grab your Bibles. Let's go to Psalms 119. It's, uh, Psalms 19 is one of the longer chapters in the Word of God. It's uh, got 176 uh, verses, I think. And uh, I'm going to preach out every one of them this morning, so y'all buckle your seatbelt. <clears throat> Actually, I try to boil it down, but I want to start with verse 1. And we're going to probably read a few more verses than I, than I usually like to do. But I, but I, tried, to, I tried to jump in and out. And so we're going to start with verse 1, and we'll go through verse 11. And I, I want to talk to you this morning about the way. Everybody say, the way. And I'll explain that in, in just a minute. But you may take your pen or pencil or ever how you track through the word and make a couple of, uh, <clears throat> highlight a couple things as we go through these 11 verses. But blessed are the undefiled in the way. You'll see this as we go through here uh, mentioned. Who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies. And that seek him with, uh, I'd like for you to underline this phrase too, because you'll see it a few times, a whole heart. Can you say whole heart with me? Seek him with a whole heart. They also shall do no iniquity. They, they walk in his ways. Everybody just circle that. Thou hast commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Again, we see the word way. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respected, when I have respect unto all of your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned. Underline that. You can't do the word of God if you don't know the word of God. Is that right? And, I, and your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Wherewith, and I want you to build a box around verse 9, because this is where we're going today. With what shall I, uh, would a young man cleanse his way? And here it is. He answers his own question. By taking heed thereto according to your word. This is how a young man cleanses his way. By knowing and doing the word of God. Can you say amen? amen. Again, we see in these next two verses, circle it. A whole heart, with a whole heart have I sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. And then you'll build a box around this one as well. We'll end there today. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. I, I wish I had time to, to go over all the virtues of this, this chapter because there's buried treasure in this, there's buried beauty in this 170 some verses. It's broken into 22 uh, sections and each one of them is alliterated. They, they, each one of the 22 sections starts in a way, they're in harmony with the alphabet of the Hebrew language. And so there's more to this than what you might think when you first read these 11 verses. But also it's important to not just know about this psalm, that it's poetically and it's an acrostic and that it's got hidden jewel, uh, just jewelry buried inside, jewels. 
But it's important also to know before we go too far, a little more background about the guy that wrote it, the psalm and the psalmist. Because now we're talking about a psalmist who has experienced the bitterness of failure. He, he's, uh, he, he was handpicked by God, but yet we all know the failures of King David and what he did and, 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 uh, and uh, uh, betraying his faithful man Uriah and, and committing adultery and murder and all that. They, they've probably done a lot of worse things than any of us ever did, can, I hope. <laughs> I don't know everybody here, so maybe ladies, you hang on to your purse because there may be a few that's not completely delivered yet, but, <laughs> but you know, you see some sins here in his past. And if you read Psalms 51, you, ex, you, get, to, you, you, get, uh, you, you get to see the, 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 the agony and the pain and the, the suffering as a result of his uh, failures. Can everybody tracking with me so far? And, and so it's important to know that by the time we get to Psalms 119, you're dealing with a guy who's been at the top of the mountain. He's been in, in harmony and fellowship and in covenant with God, but he's also stepped out of line and failed the Lord. Anybody tracking with me? Uh, I, I wish I could say at 68 years old that I had never failed the Lord, but it just doesn't work that way, does it? Can, can you say amen? Uh, but now you get to a guy who is saying, man, with a whole heart, all I really want to do is I want to know your statutes, I want to know your ways, know your word, and I want to I I live according to, those, to, to, to your word. Now, uh, if you look over in the book of Acts, when uh, chapter 9, I believe it is, it says that Saul of Tarsus was going about, uh, he was asking for letters in Damascus that he could go find people, and here's how it's uh, stated in the chapter, He's looking for people of the way. Can you say it again with me? The way. And, and now what we see from that passage is that the, 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 they had a definable lifestyle. That he, he was going to go look for people of the way because there would be some definable attributes about the people that he was wanting to persecute. And of course we know that God intervened and and, um, uh, you know, you know the story of his conversion. But let me just say this, and I want to address the balance of this morning, uh, my part this morning. I know that we have youth that are, uh, Pastor Buck and Sister Rhea are taking the youth on a missions trip. And I, I really wish every young child of God had the opportunity to go see and minister uh, in another country early in their days. Because it will augment how you see things. Can you say amen? And, and, and nothing, let I me mean, say this this way, nothing feels as good as being used of God to touch other people's lives. Can I say that again? Nothing feels as good as knowing that God used you to touch somebody else's life. And it's good to have that feeling early on in our walk with the Lord Jesus. Amen. And you will see God do things in other countries that, for whatever reason, I won't get into it, we don't see here. But the scripture talks over and over about the way. And you and I are not living our lives in a vacuum. We're not standing still in, 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 in time. We, we are in motion. Can you say amen? We're moving from cradle to grave. 
where our life is not a snapshot, it's a video. Amen? And, and, and as we're walking through this life, the Bible refers to this journey as our way, the way. That we are traveling away. Have you ever thought about how many times the scripture refers to that? Remember the children of Israel, they were led by the pillar of fire at night. They were uh, led by the cloud in the day. And it was taking them the way that God wanted to take them. Amen. And they had to move when the cloud moved in order to stay covered and sheltered in God's goodness. And to be in harmony with God's plan. And over and over, you know, Scripture says there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is destruction. There's Scriptures in Isaiah in different places where it says, walk this way, don't walk that way. The Bible is constantly, continually talking to us about our way, how we get from where we are to where we're headed because we are in motion. For the youth of, of this house today, and, and, and what I'm about to say I think can be, uh, can, can be of significant value to grandparents and to parents, but especially to the youth of the house, and you can define youth ever how you want it. I'm 68, but I still feel like I'm young. Can you say amen? <laughs> I know y'all thought I was 40, but anyway, you know. Um. To the youth I wanna, uh, uh, that are in the house today, I'd like to share some thoughts with you. I, we have, my wife and I, Deborah, we have two daughters. They're both grown now. They're both serving the Lord. We thank God for that. Um, uh, it's what we wanted when they were young, when they were traveling the first portion of their way through life as they were making their journey. And anybody that has teenagers, um, you know, my prayers are with you, and that's not a joke. Because we're trying to raise them in a world today that is not necessarily on our side. Can you say amen? But over and over the scripture refers to our way. And I'm, I was concerned about what way would my, would my two daughters, my wife and I, I should say, were concerned. What way would they choose? What, what would be their journey? And, and I asked the Lord one day in my devotions, if you would give me something very specific. Now, I want to give you a little nugget, okay? And maybe we'll, I don't know exactly how to make this jump out at you, but let me say it this way. Nothing becomes dynamic until it first becomes specific. Pause. Let me say it again, all right? Nothing becomes dynamic, vibrant, full of life, and valuable to us until it first becomes specific. You got a little Johnny with a BB gun, you better give him a target. Amen? If you don't, guess what? He's going to find one. And you probably ain't going to be the one you wanted him to have. You know, and, and, and so nothing becomes dynamic until it becomes specific. And so one morning I was praying, I said, Lord, how can I say to my daughters in such a clear and concise way, the, the way that I believe that they should go. You know, the Bible's a big book. It's 66 books. Uh, you, and I don't know about y'all, but I'm ADD. I, I, AD, what is it? Uh, um, ADD? Uh, uh, attention deficit. De- I was just checking to see if you're listening. Uh, I'm ADD, and, and I got, I'd get into Leviticus and the begats, and I'd just get all bogged down. And I wanted to have something clear and concise that I could kind of just, they could actually just digest it and follow it. 
and, and, and be in harmony with the entire word of God. I'm, I'm never going to get away from the fact that Jesus said to us, I am the way, the, the truth, and the life. How many know Jesus is the way? If we can figure out what he's like and where he's going and follow that, we'll be all right. Amen? But it's in the deciphering where, where the enemy comes in and, and messes things up. And, and so, you know, Jesus said, you know, he's, I, am the way, I am the way to God. I am the truth about God, and I am the life that God gives. And if, you can, if you'll abide in me and my words abide in you, you know, Jesus taught that. But we got to get it. Can you say amen? And then 2 Timothy, you know, it talks about the, the chapter 3, I believe it is. It says all, all scripture is given, you know, to us for the purpose of doctrine and for uh, in reproof and instruction. 2 Timothy uh, verse three, verse six, chapter 3, verse 16, it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Think about this for a minute. The doctrine is telling us what is the right way. It's given to us as doctrine. It's the right way. For reproof, it's telling us when we've missed the way or left the way. We've stepped out of the way. And then instruction or correction in righteousness is telling us how we can get back on the path that that the Lord can bless. How many know that there is a lifestyle that God can bless and there's a lifestyle that he cannot bless? Now, if y'all don't say amen right there, I'm going to panic. How many know there's a lifestyle that God can bless? And all we have to do is come into alignment with that, and the blessings of God are already there. Can you say amen? I said this last time, I believe, because I had just thought about it. But I look back over my life, and, you know, we can follow the Lord and think of God or the Word of God like it's the EMS, which is, you know, the emergency response team that comes when we've crashed and burned. Or we could accept Christ and follow His Word like a, a GPS. Can you say amen? How many have, are familiar with GPS? I think it's the greatest invention in my lifetime. Can you say amen? Only thing is now I have two women telling me what to do everywhere I everywhere I go, you know. <laughs> but a GPS, it avoids, it keeps you from getting lost in the first place. So, you know, you can ask the Lord to get you out of the foxhole, but it's a lot better to never get there in the first place. Can you say amen? So nothing becomes dynamic until it first becomes specific. We have to know exactly what it is we want and are trying to do. If you look at these 11 verses, actually the whole chapter, but if you look at these 11 verses, what you will find is that after his suffering, after his pain, after his failure, after learning life's lessons of stepping on the landmines that Satan will set up for all of us, you know, David has experienced that agony of missing and being isolated from God and his favor. Now he's learned his lesson. And if you look at these 11 verses, he's saying, I've come back now I'm back to one thing, and the one thing I want is to know your statutes, so that if I know your statutes, I can walk after those statutes. And so you'll see here in his prayer that he's asking God to reveal his ways and to help him to stay or walk in those ways. So one morning in my devotions, I was asking the Lord, how can I say things as simple as I know how? And, it, and the Lord gave me five decisions. I'm going to do these real fast. But 
uh, I, I think these are, uh, it's helpful to parents because parents can kind of focus on, on uh, what they want to, their, in, in giving their teenagers shape. And, and it's also uh, helpful probably if you're a grandparent in the house today because I, I know there's a lot of grandparents today that are the anchor uh, uh, in, in faith in Jesus for the family. And you, but five things, five decisions that if, the, if we make these five decisions correctly, we will be blessed or benefit from those, will we'll render the, the, the residue of blessing that comes from making them in harmony with God's word for the rest of our life. And, and, and on the other side of that, if, if we make them wrong, we will have to deal with that to some degree. I understand God has a capacity to pull us up out of anything, but it's, again, it's better to never have to be in the pit to start with. Can you say amen? And so uh, five decisions, I want to give them real quick. These five decisions, in my view, are, 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 are a pathway for success in life for the young folks that are in the house and anybody that you might would want to share these with. Number one decision is, what will be your decision concerning your salvation? Can somebody say amen? Now, it, that may sound simple, but the world is out there telling them over and over that we're old-fashioned, that we're passe, you know, we're just not with it. And, and, they, and it's somewhere along, you know, there's no grandchildren in the kingdom of God. Amen? You, you can't get to heaven because your grandparents or your parents served God. We have to get to heaven because we have made a decision to bow our knee and accept the lordship of Jesus in our life. Amen? And, and so uh, as we go through life, if we have godly parents or uh, influences around us, we will be uh, postured with the question of what are you going to do about accepting Jesus Christ? Now, I wish it was just as simple as yes or no, but the truth is, uh, and I did this, uh, you can accept the Lord, but not accept him wholeheartedly. You know, in other words, how, how many, I remember when I was 16 years old, I was like, I don't want to be a Christian, but I don't want to go to hell either. Anybody ever think that way? And, and so really what I wanted in my heart was just to get saved just enough to kind of go inside the door of heaven and sit down. I didn't really want to do the whole gamut of walking out my faith. So the, tr the truth is, is that you have a choice to make as a person, a young person hopefully, is that you can reject Christ. Just that ain't for me. You also have a choice to accept him, but only follow him partially or half-heartedly. I remember at nine, uh, about 18 years old, standing in my dormitory room, everything in my life was a mess, and, and, and uh, I was so alone and so afraid and so in trouble, and I remember standing in that room. I had grown up in an event. My parents, when I was five, they sold everything they had, and they hit the road traveling and preaching all across America. I used to judge churches by whether they had these kind of pews or benches, because if they had benches, I could sleep through church. But if they had these arm things in them, I didn't like that kind of church, you know, because I grew up in church almost every night. But here I am, 18 years old, and I'm standing in, and everything's a mess. And I said, Lord, I don't know for myself if you're real or not. I've been told that. I've heard it, but I got to know it for myself. 
And I remember saying, they told me that if I would serve you, everything would work out wonderful. It wasn't wonderful. And I said, Lord, I had just read, you may want to scribble this down. We'll probably end with this. Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other things will be added unto you. And I had just read that, and my life was a mess, and I'd already decided to serve the Lord a year or so earlier. And I said, they told me it was going to be wonderful if I just turned to Jesus and here I am and and I remember saying to the Lord I don't know if you're real or not but I give you permission to make yourself real to me and I'll tell you what this scripture is a contract it says that if I will do everything to put you first in my life then you will take care of all these unfinished uh, 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 frazzled details that are falling apart in my life I wish I could come back from part B of this message and tell you how wonderful things turned out even a year or so later because that was the moment where I decided I'm no longer going to be half in. I'm going to be all in with Jesus. And I, if I need to tithe, then I'm going to tithe. If I need to be in church, I'm going to be in church. If I need to read my Bible, I'm going to read my Bible. If I need to witness, I just sold out to the Lord and I didn't even know what the term was. My life began to change from that moment forward because God, as we heard Sister Rhea lead us today, he never, ever fails us. Can you say amen? But we have a choice to make, and that is we can serve him with a whole heart, or we can serve him haphazardly, or we can reject him, but no one can make that decision but you and I. Each one of us has to make that decision for ourselves. Amen? Several times in this passage... At least six times that I know of, David says, with a whole heart, I'm going to serve you. So decision number one that will change your life forever, even into eternity, is what are you going to do about your sin problem or with your salvation? Decision number two is what will your decision be concerning your worldview? I wish I could preach a series on this, but secular humanism has been around way, way too long, you guys. And, you know, the Bible introduced, God introduced Satan as the most subtle of all beasts. He likes to slide stuff in into our belief system that are lies. He likes to, if I was the devil, <laughs> which I'm not, I just want to make, y'all, make sure you know that. All right, my wife says, oh, anyway. But if I were the devil, I would want to be at work in your children's lives without you knowing it. If, if, I, if, if I was the devil, I would want to be influencing, I would want to be sliding lies in with, with veiled, wrapped in partial truths. It's, I would want to be so subtle that I would be at work and you wouldn't know I was at work. And the only way that I can think of to counter the, the, the dangerous influences of secular humanism, humanism which is uh, in, in much of our education today, is, is to know the word of God. If you look at verse 11, thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. So what will be your decision concerning your worldview? You're going to have a secular worldview? Uh, the Bible says in verse 10 of chapter 11, uh, 111 of Psalms, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Not the universities. The beginning of wisdom is right here. 
Come on, somebody say amen. It's right here. This is not old-fashioned. This is just as current as today's newspaper. Can you say amen? We just need to spend a little time in the Word of God. And we get the Word in us, then we can sense, we can smell, we can, we can detect when Satan's sliding the stuff in. Amen? Uh, I, I had a little, little Shih Tzu puppy that we had to give medicine to, and, and he could spit it out. I mean, just spit it out. Little bitty pill, just spit it out. We're, we're going to give you this medicine, you're going to die. He'd just spit it out. So we wrapped it in peanut butter. We wrapped it in cheese. We wrapped it in hamburger. He would eat the hamburger and spit the pill out. The devil's not, he's as smart as I am. He will wrap the lie in something good. We better learn how to spit it out. Can you say amen? By the way, you can learn a lot about God by watching your dog. And the scripture says that in the beginning, the, 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 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And all, all who follow his precepts have good understanding. Knowing the word of God helps us to filter and identify the godless concepts that are literally all around us. You know, you can be watching a movie and all of a sudden two people are having a dialogue. And you don't know it, you may not think about it, but some writer somewhere with a worldview has put that conversation together. And they're, they're ingesting doubt or they're ingesting the other side of the story. And, the, and, with, and you walk away saying, well, yeah, I never thought about it that way. And you don't know that you just got force-fed something straight out of the sewer. Somebody say, amen, I'm getting scared up here. In uh, James 1.21, it says that the implanted or engrafted word of God is able to save our souls. We're like fish that swims in a polluted stream. We are in the world, but not of the world. It would be great if there was only one voice that we heard every day. Somebody said there's 3,000 commercial messages each day that you and I are asked to digest. And we're like fish that lives in a polluted stream. And we have to have a purging process about us. And the word of God is that, is that secret weapon. How many know that any old dead fish can float downstream? But it takes a live fish to swim upstream. And if we're going to be, make a difference in this world today, we got to be so full of God's spirit that we have the courage to be different, to stand on thus says the word of God and swim uh, against the social tide. Somebody say amen. amen. So the second des- decision, I don't know how I'm doing with time. I'm trying. But what will your des- first decision, second decision, what will your decision be concerning world, worldview? You're going to get it from your professor Are you going to get it from the word of God and test everything from the professor through the filter of God's word? Amen? Amen. Enough said. Need to say more. Decision number three. What will be your decision concerning destructive habits? I was a director of one of the larger Christian rehabilitation centers in the country. I lived with the guys for seven years, almost seven years. I didn't drive to work, I lived there. And we had 110 beds in one part of it and 45 in the other part. 
And we lived every day watching good men with great talents struggling to get their life back because somewhere along the line they had started compromising with, with addictive behaviors. And the addictive behavior had taken over their life and was, had painted them into a corner. I, I remember, I was only in my 20s at the time, late, mid to late 20s, and I remember thinking, but this guy has so much talent. He's such a good guy. It doesn't matter. Once the addictive behavior begins to control our lives, we have to be delivered from that in order to get our life back. Can you say amen? And I remember walking across the campus two or three years into this ministry, and I remember asking the Lord, what, what, how, how can we do better at not watching these young men suffer? And they weren't all necessarily young men, but how can we avoid the suffering of, uh, there's not a family in America that, who have not been touched by someone in their uh, circle of influence or in their family or their, you know, you know what I'm talking about, their relatives, that, that somewhere or another they, they have had to uh, experience the pain of stepping on that kind of landmine. And, and it occurred to me that, you know, there was a point where they had to make that first decision. Everybody say first. The first decision to touch the thing for the first time. I was a guitar player in the late 60s, early 70s, Jimi Hendrix, The Doors, the, you know, Janis Joplin, everybody that was ODing and killing themselves. And I was right there in that era. And uh, thank God that God protected me. And, and, you know, drugs was the thing at the time. And I don't know, that was when it all started, I guess. <clears throat> at least all my friends got into that. All of my friends got into that. But the Lord spared me somehow or another from going down that road. And I thank God. And you say, well, you know, you're a goody two-shoes. No, listen, I started smoking cigarettes when I was five. I don't remember the first time I started smoking. I, I remember getting whippings when I was five for smoking. And um, I... I, I <laughs> I remember, you know, my, my dad was cracking walnuts on the sidewalk, and we'd been smoking. We got down, me and my brother got down there, and he said, all right, which one of you boys have been smoking? I was five years old. My brother was six or seven, and, and my brother, I thought he was such a hero. He said, uh, he said, I have, and my dad looked at me, what are you, Donnie Ray, what about you? And my brother said, no, he wasn't smoking. And I thought, man, that's a good brother. <laughs> it was a good brother. And then a day or so later, he started blackmailing me. <laughs> that if I didn't do his stuff, uh, he was going to tell dad the truth. And honestly, I don't remember. And so when I got saved, you know, in Pentecost, you couldn't be a Christian and smoke. Maybe it should still be that. I, you, can be, you can go to heaven and smoke. You'll probably get there sooner. <laughs> your choice but but I, what I'm saying is I tried to quit I threw them away I flushed them I gave them to strangers I did everything I could I couldn't quit until the Lord delivered me Amen. and I'm here to tell you today I don't care where you've been what landmine you stepped on how far in the pit you've been there is redemption in the Lord Jesus and he can bring you out of that yeah. amen 
But I'm still going to put forth my argument that first choice is to never have to deal with it to start with. And I remember working with the addicted community for all those years saying, Lord, it would have been so great if we could have been there for them when they were making that choice and helped them to never take the first one the first time because if you never dabble in it the first time, you'll never have to worry about addiction. Somebody say amen. And you say, well, how do we avoid this? You know, sometimes people will say, well, everybody's going to do it. No, everybody's not going to do it. And the time to make the decision to deal with temptation is right now. You, you, don't, you don't light the fuse and then go pray in your closet that there's no explosion. Right? The time to make the decision is today, if I get confronted with this opportunity, I have made a decision. I'm going to fight for that the rest of my life, but I've made a decision to follow God after his statutes and do the right thing. The fourth one is what will be your decision concerning sexual purity? When I was working with addiction, we basically had five uh, predominant addictions that we could uh, outline. Today there's more, but one that's been added over the years is a sexual addiction. Pastor Matt did a fantastic job talking about that last week of sexual addictions. And, and, and uh, I, I believe fully that it comes from our youth being exposed to stuff way too early in their life that they should never have had to deal with and appetites being set up that now they've got to be delivered from them in order to live in true freedom. And so the time to make a decision about what you're going to do with your sex life is as early in life as you can. You make that decision in harmony with God's Word. The, the Scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, 4, this is the will of God. Everybody say the will of God. There's 176 verses in Psalms 111. All but one of them mentions His statutes, His his word, you, you could almost, sw you could swap the word will, for, with the word word with the word will and probably still be right on. Thy word, thy will, they're all the same, okay? Uh, but he says, for this is the will of God for your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality. It doesn't matter if the whole world's doing it. There is protections if we do it God's way, if we walk His way, there is a shield that protects us. Can you say amen? The, uh, the whole idea of sexual, and I understand that, you know, there may be somebody here today that said, man, I've, I, I messed up on all of these. I, I'm not telling you in any way, shape, or form that it's over, that you, you're, you're, you're a screwed up mess and you're never, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that I know the sorrow that comes from having to fight the fights that didn't necessarily have to be. And one of the ways to keep the door shut is to keep the door shut. Can you say amen? And one of the ways to do that is to make these decisions, only five decisions that will change our lives forever. Nothing becomes dynamic until it first becomes specific. And so as we're looking at this idea in a sexually perverse world, almost every TV program, everything it is just being force fed. It's like somebody sticking a fire hose down our young people's throat and just throwing it at them full force. Can you say there was a time where we had to go looking for this stuff. Now it goes chasing us all around. As far as I know, the only thing in Scripture that the believers told to run from 
is to flee youthful lust. Everything else, man, you stay and you clobber the devil. But Paul told Timothy, flee youthful lust in 2 Timothy. Amen? You can, you can inquire about that yourself. What are we going to do about doing our very level best at remaining pure before God? If you make this successfully, you won't have to deal with certain uh, urges and temptations and, and, and conflicts later on in life. Somebody say amen. I was weak. I'm getting, I'm getting intimidated now. All right. Number, uh, well, let me just say this. You know, there was a fable I read about years ago. I, I, understand, I understand that uh, when you're a teenager, in fact, I wish I knew when I was a teenager what I know now. But I understand when I was a teenager, the, the, you know, for all of our teens or even young 20-year-olds, I understand the pressure of peer pressure. Oh, it's out there, full, full bore. And I wish, when I, I wish I could go back to my uh, school days knowing what I know today about peer pressure. I, I remember a few Christians in high school that I so admired, but I never told them I admired them. But they were individuals who had the courage to walk, walk, a, walk after the Lord and let their testimony be known and I was trying to hide mine, and that's a painful way to live. But when you make a decision to swim upstream, when you make a decision to be different, yes, there is heat from social peer pressure. But I'm going to tell you, nothing feels as good as walking upright before the Lord. And so even though there is a temptation, success tastes better. And I remember uh, years ago, I uh, read a fable. It's a fable as far as you can find it on the internet. There's no, it's not story, it, it, uh, true. It's just something that was made up. But it talks about a king who lived, his castle was up on the hill. And, and he, he uh, lived overlooking the village. And the people of the village loved him and he loved his people. And one day a prophet came to the village and prophesied that in a short time, the well that all of you are drinking out of is going to become poisonous. And when it does, if you drink that water, all of you will go insane. And sure enough, that took place. Uh, the well went, uh, became poisonous and the people of the, of the village, they, they, they drank the water and it wasn't long till everybody in the village became insane. But see, the king had his own well. He lived up on the hill. He didn't drink from that well. He didn't become insane. But shortly, as time progressed, the people began to reject the king that they loved because he was different. And the king began to miss the accolades of his people. He missed being the star of the show. He missed being admired by his, the people of the village. And so the, 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 the isolation became so intense. The rejection became so important to him that one day he made a decision to go down the hill, go to the well, and drink from the well, and he became insane like the rest of them. And the village rejoiced because now our king has finally become normal again. Is anybody tracking with me? Listen, when it's all over, Philippians tells us every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You may not hear 
the accolades. You may not hear the cheer of the crowd. It's almost like playing basketball and being and being and winning, but you're not in your home court. You're off somewhere. You're the visiting team. And when, when the basket on your side is made, you don't hear the cheers. But I'm going to tell you, one of these days, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that you were following the right path all along because thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I'm almost done. I want to be thought of, and I want to challenge you that are here today, to be thought of as one who never drinks the water. Amen? That if the whole village that you and I live in goes insane, I am choosing to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things I'm expecting will be added unto me. And so there's five decisions that if we make them according to God's word, the last decision is what will you do concerning choosing your life partner? Choose the wrong one, one that doesn't love Jesus, one that's not committed to the word, one who doesn't see the authority of God. And, and you make that choice, you'll have to deal with it. But if you trust the Lord, how many know you can trust him? If you trust the Lord, you can include him in on the process. It was a couple weeks ago, we just celebrated 48 years of marriage. That's a long time. <laughs> I, I don't know if she's the hero or if I am or if we both are, I don't know. But, you know, I got her in Bible college. That's where we met. We prayed over it. We, we, had, we got godly counsel from godly people. We tested it with the word. And, and 48 years later, here we are getting old together. Well, I'm getting old. My wife is still staying young. I got to go home with her today. But the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 6, and I understand the connotation of this passage. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And some might say that's not necessarily referring to marriage. And of course it's not specifically. But the principle that when you get married you are yoked. You're going to run in tandem together. You're going to face life's challenges together. And you're going to make the decisions of life together. And you're going to make them by some kind of worldview. And it's a lot better to have somebody that's on your team than somebody that's trying to dismantle your team. So you ask yourself, will he or she be one that follows hard after God? Or will he or she be one who leaves God out of life's equations? Why not wait and include God in this process and watch and see what God can do? I'm not saying this to, I can't even share the history and I'm about done. But in my younger days, I lived with such rejection inside that I used to say to myself, I'll never get married. No one will ever love me. I fully believed that for years, probably almost 18, 19 years old. No one will, you know, I, and, and I, had, I don't have time to give you the history of why that self-image was so damaged, but, but I fully believed that, that I just didn't fit. I, I wasn't worthy to, 
to ever experience that miracle of, uh, of union. And to be able to stand uh, 48 years later and say, look what the Lord has done. It's pretty an amazing accomplishment to go from striking out to hitting it rich. Can you say amen? And I will say this. What I, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Give her a hand. Amen. Uh, I will say this, that God did it. Amen. And uh, we waited on the Lord. And so I want to close with this. If you make these five decisions according to God's word, you'll get to enjoy the, the benefits for your entire lifetime. It's part of the way. It's, it's the journey. It's, it's, it's progressing from where we were uh, to where we're headed. And if you're here today and you've made one or two or three or all five of them, maybe you misstepped. I'm not here at all to say that God can't solve that problem in a heartbeat. What I am here to say, though, is that I would like to see the youth of our, uh, of our house never have to step on those landmines in the first place. And so my passion this morning is that I will say something here in this 30, 45 minutes that, that they can use to walk closely, hard after God. God made us. He knows what makes us tick. He knows the end from the beginning. And we can trust him with the decisions of our lives because he knows what we don't know. Amen. And that's why David, after all of the failure, after all the sorrow, David could come to this place where he's pursuing God with a passion to know God's word. And he can say, how will a young man, verse 9, how will a young man cleanse his way? Here's how you do it. By taking heed of the word of God. Amen. And he ends it. Verse nine, uh, 119 verse 11. With thy word. Have I hid in my heart. That I might not sin against you. It takes the word in me. To be able to take me down. The right path. Thank you for joining us. For the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast. Or other resources. Visit newhopeonline.com.